Hi, this is Media Girlfriends, and I'm the Nava Duncan. This podcast is about my girlfriends who work in the media. We choose one main topic, but we always talk about more. For this episode, I talked to Hannah Sung. Hannah works at the Globe and Mail, and she's the co-host and co-creator of the podcast Color Code with Denise Balkasun. And Hannah and Denise have done well with the podcast. It was number one on iTunes in Canada when it came out, and it was named one of 2016's best podcasts on iTunes. If the name Hannah Sung rings a bell, it might be because you've seen her on Much Music years ago when she was a VJ. And yes, if you've noticed, in every podcast so far, I have featured girlfriends who used to be VJs on Much Music. I promise I do have friends who were not VJs. Somehow that's just how this whole thing has happened. Anyway, back to Hannah. Hannah's Korean. She's Canadian. And because of her work in the last year on Color Code, race and ethnicity have really been top of mind for her. So that was basically what we talked about, from having uncomfortable conversations about race to being the Asian VJ to her own identity. Let's start out by getting some facts out of the way. Where were your parents born and where did you grow up? Uh, my parents were born in Korea. They were born uh, before there were two Koreas. So my dad was actually born in a place that is now North Korea. Um, but they both basically grew up in Seoul. And I'm from here. I was born uh, just down the street in downtown Toronto. And I grew up in Scarborough. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, so you gave both of your kids a special Korean ceremony. Oh, my God. When they turned one. <laughs> what was it exactly? And why did you do it? Okay, it's called the dol, and can I try and say that? Yeah, yeah. Say it again. Dol, dol. Yes, <laughs> you did it. You are Korean now. Okay. Um, <laughs> you just need like the prince slash princess outfit okay. that you get as a one year old okay. when, when you do that party. But um, what is it? It's just like a huge party to celebrate that you've turned one, mm -hmm. and um. There's also like a really cool kind of fortune telling ceremony that's oh. a part of it. And uh, so you take your baby who's looking like a little king or queen, right? And they're just <laughs> sitting there in front of a table that's just fully laden with all these party foods. And I'm sure they all have significance that I just don't know. And, um, and then you put all these items out in front of them. And the thing that they choose is supposed to kind of indicate maybe where they, you know, what they will do in the future. So a pen would mean like a scholar. Noodles would mean long life. Um, both my kids picked up a microphone. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my what? God. And it's the same microphone that I picked up, apparently, because my mother provided what? the microphone, right? Oh, it's okay. Like some microphone that's like probably never been plugged into any device ever. <laughs> I have no idea why we have it. My mother probably saved it only because I picked it up at my own toll. But um, I think that my kids picked it up because it was the one thing they'd never seen before, right? Like oh. they've seen, you know... I like some money, like money is one thing, but um, yeah, both my kids picked up a mic and and so did I. <laughs> so why did you provide this ceremony for your kids? Oh, um, yeah, is your partner question. Korean? Oh, my partner is not Korean. Um, he's honorary Korean. <laughs> uh, he's white. Um, You're like, let's just get, a, yeah, get that yeah. out of the way. Yeah, yeah. That's the color say. he is. Yes. So people can picture yeah. us. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it's funny. Like, 
now that I have kids, there's a kind of full circle element of like my culture mm-hmm. and um, I want to pass certain things on. And of course, when they're one, like they don't get it. They won't really have that memory, but they will have that photo. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember growing up and looking at the photo of myself and of my brother when we were, you know, feted in this way. <laughs> and it was like a really special picture. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to incorporate Koreanness in whatever small way um, throughout throughout like our daily lives so this was like a ritual that we could actually do you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna throw my kid a birthday party anyway so um why not dress them up in something super cute and uh, (laughs) invite everybody you know and then you know do this little ceremony because it's it's super fun right like as soon as the kid picks the thing like everybody's like yeah 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 yeah. it's just a fun time that reminds me of the uh we have something similar but it happens earlier um Kenyans have a an outdooring ceremony. And Did you say an outdooring? Outdooring. So it is meant to sort of – it is the thing, an event that happens seven days after the baby is born. Huh. And it's supposed to be like the, the seventh days of the day that you kind of take the child outside of the house. Wow. And then similar to like offering the kid things, you offer the kid uh, the taste of bitter, sweet, salt. No and way. Yeah. And like alcohol or so I don't I can't remember what they are now. But we did the same thing. But so I have my own reasons, own reasons for like why I did that. Mm. For you, you're saying it's like this. You want to give them a taste of the culture, or at least for them to know it. Yeah, I mean, there are so many ways in which the culture will not naturally be a part of their upbringing. You know, mm-hmm. like I and I have to just kind of do whatever I can to like you know create that space, like kind of like push out that boundary so Mm -hmm. that I can create that space for us because when are they ever going to get anything Korean except for through me? Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of a big responsibility, right? It's a huge responsibility. It is. And you know, when my kids are first born and my parents um, are around, they live in the same city. So I was kind of like, hey, mom and dad, like speak to my kids in Korean. And, you know, then I realized, oh, that's too much of I can't put that onus on them. Like my parents just want to communicate with my kids. So they're going to talk to me in English. English, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so and that's when I started to like I made a Korean club for my kids and I got a Korean teacher so that and for some other neighborhood. You made a club? I did so that they could have some Korean language lessons because I just. I was like, oh, God, I can't do it. I need to pay someone to do this. And Wow. Yeah, and so that the kids could take it seriously too, you know. And I, I need to do that. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Yeah, right? I totally get mm-hmm. that. Um, so I'm going to switch a little bit. Yes. Um, but we're still going to talk about race. So okay. I listened to your podcast, which mm-hmm. is called Color Code, yeah. and it is – Number one in iTunes in Canada? Yeah, that's where it debuted. It's like fluctuating now, but yeah. Like to what, two? No, it's like gone down to 10, 13, and then like it's just kind of hovering around But there. it debuted at one. That is yeah. amazing. Oh, I'm so yeah. proud of you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So um, one of the episodes is called The Most Vi- Visible Minority, yeah. and it had uh, Nahid Nenshi, yeah. and the mayor of Calgary, and um, Cameron Bailey, who runs TIFF. Yeah. And you talked about the time that you were a Much Music VJ <laughs> and who you got the most letters from. Yeah. You, sell- you said that you felt like really racialized and that your connection with people was so narrow and that you said that you kind of resented it Mm. and that there was a burden so I want you to just tell me a little bit more about that who were the people writing you letters so uh, I got letters and emails from 
young Asian women who wanted to become journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess occasionally I might have received something from somebody who didn't fit that, you know, mold. But um, it was just very clear from the beginning once I started getting, you know, any kind of response from people. Um and yeah, it was like kind of hard and weird for me to admit that I resented it because I don't feel good saying that. Of right? course, of yeah. course. And but uh, the whole point of the podcast is to get uncomfortable to yeah. say the things that we should just say, like just <laughs> yeah. out in the open, right? And um, and you know, Nahid Nenshi, who is amazing, and I really admire him so much. And he was like, "It's it's it's a privilege and it's an honor." And don't you think it was an honor? He and, really is so positive. Oh my God, he's, he's, he's so positive. He's really positive, but he's also a realist and he's also cynical. This is something I learned. That's interesting. During that conversation, but but yes, he is so positive, and and he, I, you know, I believe that he like is. I believe every word he says. So I believe okay. that he believes this for himself, but. Um, honestly, that's the way that I felt. And I think maybe now if I were to do something like that, I would feel differently. But you don't feel burdened anymore. Like, how do you feel about being that person for someone? I don't mind anymore because I'm more comfortable with who I am, right? Mm-hmm. But when I was in my early 20s, it's like, who am I? And mm-hmm. then also, it was my first experience of being in a role where anybody would even be listening to me. Like you grow up and you're a kid and it's like nobody wants to listen to you or hear what you have to say. Like, you know, the school system is kind of like, I was a very good student because I was so obedient, right? And I was good at listening and I did everything I was supposed to do. Same. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I totally right? get it. You and were then, like a good, you were a model student. Yeah. 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 And there's like a kind of personality that does well in the school system, right? Yeah. So then all of a sudden I'm an adult and somebody wants to hear what I have to say. And it's like, I felt that um, people actually didn't want to hear what I had to say, kind of. Like, for, hmm. for some reason, it's just like my, the visual markers of who I was. It, that How did you know promise. they didn't want to hear what you had to say? What do you well, mean? It's just that I questioned why people were identifying me so strongly with my race. Mm-hmm. And that I would get fan letters that kind of, you know, supported that. But then also I got negative comments online that also just showed me that people were really, really reacting to my race. Like um, she doesn't even speak English or stuff like that. I remember that from the podcast. And that, like, makes no sense. Obviously, you weren't paying attention because you only – it's not like you ever spoke Korean. No, exactly. Like, (laughs) my mouth is moving. I'm speaking to you. So what is it that you don't get? But, you know, like there's – a deep kind of uh, racial stereotype about East Asian people and that they're foreign and they're mm-hmm. exotic and they're othered. And so I, I, that's all I can really think of because why would you not think that I can speak English when I'm very clearly speaking it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I also always got called the Asian VJ. <laughs> oh, like, really? Oh, on paper, that's what they said. No, just like, well, uh, well sure, like um, in the online comments, but also just anywhere I went. You know, yeah. like I would joke that my middle name became Much Music, first of all, because people would just yell Much Music at me. <laughs> <laughs> they would just yell it at me. And then also, um, I, I, you're the Asian VJ. Like that just became my Oh, name. they would say that to you. Oh, yeah. You're like, the Asian VJ. Yeah, or if I'm walking by. And like there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it just it means erased you could... my individuality. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, yep. That's what I'm I the one. am. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So you've done TV at 
a big company, Much Music. You've done radio at a big organization, CBC. You've done newspaper at a big organization. And now you're doing a podcast, which is like, kind in a way, it has like a, a smaller, more intimate feeling to it. And you and I have talked about the feelings that you've had about this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some, there has been just like, you've been feeling a little bit of pressure. Why is this project such a big deal <laughs> okay. to you? Person. Oh my God, Nanaba, what a question. <laughs> tell me the truth. Yeah. Whatever truth you can tell me. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, the podcast is a project that I pitched along with my colleague, Denise Balkasun. Like the two of us came up with a concept. We created all of the, you know, episodic themes and we. It was built from scratch Mm. by us. And to our management's credit, they just gave us room to do it, you know, which is an incredible privilege, right? Um, So the pressure, where does it come from? God, it like comes from like ourselves. Like it comes from, I can only speak from myself. So it comes from me. Mm -hmm. But there's also this diffuse kind of like pressure everywhere when you're the only, say you're the only racialized person in a room, which... Happens to me all the time. Same here. <laughs> exactly. Um, then there's just this like sense of like, oh my God, I gotta get this right. And mm. um it, it's it it ties back into that sense of resentment I had when I was younger about feeling that responsibility and burden. It's like I wasn't ready for that responsibility, but maybe now I am. Right? Well, because... I mean, you took it on. Sure. Like, you you know, didn't I have did. to do this podcast. Exactly. Nobody was asking. Like nobody us was to do this. No. <laughs> Nobody. And then you know what? That's actually kind of unfortunate in a way that no one's oh, like yeah. wanting to have this discussion in yeah. a way. But but still, you guys, the two of you, put your heads together and you put this together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when it when you go back to the idea of pressure, it's just kind of like this overall diffuse, just everywhere pressure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When it comes to talking about race. When you're a racialized person. And then I can't even imagine for a white person what it would feel like to want to talk about race issues. I think it would be really hard. But I think that my personal thought is, I, my personal opinion is that I believe white people need to talk about race. White men need to talk about race and systemic discrimination. Like it needs mm-hmm. to be something that's important to them, you mm-hmm. know, because... um just statistically, like we see who's in positions of power and it's like you could talk to someone just like you forever or someone in a position of power could actually do something to make some change, you know. And that's like actually a pretty controversial idea that, you know, the idea of even like white allies, like why would you why would a white ally speak for someone on their behalf? But I just really believe in the idea of everybody talking about these things and you know sometimes though like i've been working on color code really intensively for like basically all year all of 2016 and sometimes i'm just sick of thinking and talking about race i bet you are and you know what for that reason i'm so grateful that you're sitting here talking to me about it because i know well yeah because i i know that like this is oh because you like yeah yeah, because we're talking about it right now (laughs) and i'm gonna ask you a question okay what what is the term Model minority. Oh, my God. And why is it offensive? (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's get into it. (laughs) Well, a model minority, it's the idea that you are 
a minority individual who uh, does all the things that are expected of you, um, it, it, it obviously fits into the framework of white supremacy. So mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you believe that white people have more um, power, the idea of a minority individual doing all the things that makes them get ahead on an individual level mm-hmm. um, within that framework. And I'm sorry if I'm not, do- not doing a great job of, uh, of, of defining it. I wasn't prepared. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not about to prepare you. Come on now. <laughs> but, but, you know, oh, my God. Okay, so let me... I think you're I, doing a great job. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, okay, let me even, like, try again. So it's... Being a model minority is something that Asians get a lot, right? It's like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And it's the opposite of, like, say, the criminalized um, stereotypes of black people, right? Okay. Like, of black men, right? Yeah. Like, so it's like the idea that, say, for example, as an Asian woman, I do all the right things and I tick all the right boxes, like, mm-hmm. say, on a diversity checklist. And I, mm. and I do all the things I'm supposed to do to get ahead in life mm-hmm. within a... A white supremacist kind of like framework. So mm-hmm. the reason why that idea is very offensive to me is because it removes any sense of agency from myself. So um, saying that there are model minorities or individuals who play the model minority game is the same thing as calling me a chink. It's yeah. the same thing as subscribing to the negative stereotypes, you know? Mm. So there are positive stereotypes about people who are racialized and there are negative stereotypes, and the positive ones aren't any better. No, quite they're not. Frankly, that's not. They're not. They're just like, as oh, limiting. but you're you're such a good dancer in an ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But you are. I actually am. <laughs> I know. Which makes it worse sometimes. <laughs> Can I tell you? There was a time that I went to a Zumba class, and after the class. <laughs> After the class, these women came up to me and they're like, you are so good. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, ah, thanks. And you know what? I am. I am. You are good. I I've am. I've taken a dance class with you before. I... You know Diana, the teacher, is always asking about you. I'm like, I'll bring her back. Don't worry. <laughs> But anyway, I'm just saying that I understand what you mean. There are some of these positive stereotypes, and whether they're true or not, it it still is offensive. The to... positive ones are just as offensive, exactly yeah. offensive, because they're limiting and they're just like they erase your you know humanity because you're not like I'm I'm a person, yeah, you know? and I'm like I'm not just the black just girl like who can dance. Exactly, I'm not just a a person with an Asian background who's like in science yeah, or something, exactly, you know, exactly. So. Um, I actually have a question that I'm embarrassed by, but I have to ask. It. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're thinking and talking about race all the time, so I know that you're prepared to answer me. I'm used to hearing the terms brown and black mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, black, I use the term black. I know a lot of my friends who are maybe either uh, like black, but also lighter skinned or mixed race may call themselves brown or folks who are from Sri Lanka or India or <clears throat> excuse me, or South Asian countries call themselves brown. And when we were younger, I know there was the term yellow for someone who looked like you. Hmm. Is there a color? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed that I'm asking this. No, go for it. Um, do you or anyone you know actually use either that ter- term or some other color, an actual color word for yourself? Like Asian people. 
Yeah. Uh, no, not that I can think of, but like with emoji, I have joked with people. About, <laughs> like, how like the regular the emoji? Default emoji Is works that- for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. So if there are a number, see, this is such a question <laughs> to me is it betrays so much how I don't have very many friends that look like you. Okay. Because this is a question that I'm actually asking at like yeah, my yeah. age. Yeah. So my question is if a number of Korean people or folks from East Asia are together, what are you calling yourselves as a group? Oh my gosh. First of all, I'm never in that group of people. I would that's like fine. To be. <laughs> I'm, no, that's okay. Um, but like even Okay, so in my real life, yeah. if I'm going to answer this authentically, Yeah. That's what I want. It does not come up because okay. so say for example, the first group of people that comes to mind is my family, right? Mm. Um we don't talk about our race. Like we talk about our culture. You know, and even then, it's like culture in my family is not something we talk about. It's something that we do, you know. Absolutely. And I think that totally goes understand for everyone, that. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, if I think about my few Asian friends, you know, I don't have that many. Um, I, like, I wish that wasn't the case, but uh, I I work and live in very white environments, hey, to be honest. So do I, honey. Yeah. That's so, just, yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't really refer to to ourselves that way. Okay. That's what yeah, I want to know. Yeah. You know, I, I think it'd be really interesting to know what uh, some young people from East Asian countries refer to themselves like, oh, well, like when they're in high school. You know what I'm saying? I, Do you remember right. calling yourself? Well, okay. So two things. Number one, I remember when the internet was starting and maybe even now, like Asian pride, that mm. was a, a term that was used a lot, spelled A-Z-N. So oh. like say YouTube was a place where a lot of you know, Asian people could do YouTube stuff, like become YouTubers, right? Mm-hmm. Like YouTube celebrities, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a direct um, reaction to the fact that there's such a dearth of Asian American or Asian Canadian representation in the mainstream media. So mm-hmm. like people were just taking to them their own, you know, laptop cameras and stuff and just doing their own thing. And then and I would see that around a lot, Asian pride, but like that always kind of bugged me because mm. I'm just not really into um like if you say white pride, you're in trouble. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm not into like pride over skin color. I'm also not very much of a nationalist either, like a, a national pride. Like I love Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not like a patriot, I guess. Like I I don't like I'm weird. So that means that, that follows then that you feel the same way about the term black pride. Oh, no, no, no. Why? I don't feel... Well, okay. Why is Black Pride different? Okay, so first of all, white pride and any other kind of pride, like it's not the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, Obviously, because if if you just think about like um, the balance of power, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just a given. Um, That is a great question. I think that Black Pride as a phrase has a long history. Why did Asian pride bug me? Um, I don't know. I guess it was just... Maybe I felt too close to it and I didn't understand what it was really about. You know? Or maybe it also kind of takes away from your your individual, individual self. I guess so. I guess maybe because like it's probably just my personal struggle with it mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, I'm – I have always been very aware that I've been seen as Asian mm-hmm. and – I've always been very aware that the stereotypes of Asian people or women don't really speak to me. And so what does Asian pride mean? Like, what does well, it yeah, mean? Yeah. It's like so many different cultures you're talking about. Like, yeah. Asia's freaking huge. So yeah. what does this really mean? I don't <laughs> yeah. get it. Like, I, yeah. I wonder if it was even used in the UK for like um, 
like South Asian, like because in in the UK, they, like Asians are South Asians. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, oh, one more thing that I wanted to mention, Nava, is that um, there's like a history to being called a color. So <laughs> I I wish I knew all the facts and names, but I don't. But basically, the whole concept of race was invented by pseudoscientists who are European in origin. Right. And, um, you know, the idea of dividing people according to, like, white, um, black, yellow, and red. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those particular colors, like, have a, like they, they were kind of, like, coined or, like, made up from the very start of the concept of race. So... Now it's like it's it's weird because our talking about race has evolved in so many different ways. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually have a, another admission. Actually, so mm. I'm sure this has happened to you, where you make a comment or you've made a comment, and later on you realize actually that was racist of me to say that. Um, yeah. I give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, God, I'm so this is so bad. Um, at my daycare. I dropped my baby off. This is at the beginning. Um, so I just was like meeting some of the caregivers. And there's one woman named Anjana, and she's from Sri Lanka. And then there are two other women. Named, one is named Yao, and the other is named Linda. And they introduced themselves to me. And then the next time, I because I know the name Yao, the, word, mm-hmm. the name Yao is actually familiar to me because it's also a name from Ghana. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's actually a popular, a pretty kind of popular uh, uh-huh. ma- man's name. Okay. And so uh, when I went there, I saw this woman and I was like, oh, hi, Yao. And she's like, oh, I'm Linda. Oh. And she was the other <laughs> East Asian woman. One of them was lighter skinned than the other. Yeah. But I didn't like and, – and I realized after – and as, right away I was mm. like, oh, my God, I made a mistake. Like mm-hmm. I, I just called you the other – and I said that right away. And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. People do it all the time. And yeah. you know what's so funny is that she is older than me. So she is and, – and she is – not like us in that she's not in the same sort of profession where we talk about these things all the time and mm. we like read think pieces and all that stuff. Yeah. So she just seemed like the kind of person who's like, oh, it's fine. Like whatever. Like, you right, know, I'm, right. you can call me, you can call me Yao if you want. It's okay. My <laughs> name's Linda, but you can, call, you know, and she said, oh, we are both Chinese, but we're both from like different areas. But mm-hmm. still, like obviously what happened in my brain was Asian person, mm-hmm. that one is Yao. <laughs> like that's what happened. And I'm aware, yeah. but it was embarrassing and I owned up to yeah. it. And I, you know, I think that we have to be <laughs> as embarrassing as it is. I think we have to own up to these things. Oh my god! I wish, sure. I wish that a white person—it has never happened to me. Wait, I wait, wish, wait, wait! That has never happened to you. No, no, no. That this somebody... that I'm what I'm about to tell you has never happened. Oh, okay. I've never had someone just admit in that moment that mm. oh my god, I just made a racial mistake. I'm so sorry. Mm. I've never had someone say that. They'll just be like, oh. oh like they'll try to say like something else like oh i thought yeah you know and and i i'm not saying that what i did was good it's not good at all but at least i'm just i'm aware that what it told me is that i don't have very many asian people in my life mm-hmm. i don't know the differences obviously mm-hmm. between people who are from the same country from like mainland or whatever like mm-hmm. i obviously do not have this knowledge mm-hmm. and so what's happening in my brain is that i'm putting like people with "Quote unquote almond eyes in the same box." That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. that's what's happening, and but, I'm aware. Okay, so I have a question for you. Like, how do you feel that, about that? Oh, well, that happens to me all the time, still to this day. Like the with Asian people. That happened, no, I mean that it happened to me. Like somebody um, at work. I mean, this happens. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's really weird. Like 
there's an there's a Chinese Canadian reporter at work who is like so cool. I love her to bits. Her name is Anne Huey, and she's a our food reporter. She looks nothing like oh me. Oh my god! And people were congratulating me on this great story I'd written. <sighs> <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I, I said thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know that's not me, but that was a great story. Oh. And um, Has any- you're right. When you're right, people don't follow that up with any kind of race discussion. No, no way. Like nobody wants to touch that with a ten foot pole, right? Nobody but I think it's say, that's how were- that's what we have to do, though. I yeah. think. Yeah. You know. Well. Uh, so, well, okay. actually, no. Do, are you okay with that? Like, would you rather that that person say like, "Oh, I just made a mistake based on like how the two of you look"? Yeah. You know. Um. It's hard to say. Like, I, I, I think it's kind of cool that you brought race into the conversation. Um, I, I can also acknowledge that it's probably a really rushed exchange because you're at daycare. Yeah. Yes. And like, maybe yeah. Yao doesn't want to get into it. You know? Yeah. Maybe um, she doesn't. No, you're right. Or Linda. Sorry. Even I made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. I've done but, it. I've even done it with a black man on my street. Like you made the mistake. I thought he was someone else. Right. But see, okay, this is this is what I think. I think that we all have to be more forgiving. It's like not a big deal, right? Like mm. I think here okay. If Wait, somebody sometimes it's me, a big deal. Okay, this is when it's a big deal. When I was like seventeen, I worked at a pizza hut at Ontario Place. And um pretty much every girl there was East Asian. Okay. And the owner was uh, not, and he learned my name, Hannah. That's mm-hmm. my name. <laughs> and he started calling everybody <gasps> Hannah. But it wasn't a mistake. He just didn't want to learn everyone's names. Oh. He was calling every girl who worked in that particular pizza hut, little kiosk, it was a kiosk, Hannah. And when I realized he was doing this, I was like, oh, my God, you just really – don't give a uh, Yeah, he doesn't like you, give a you shit. You give no Fs, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, he and, really um, doesn't. Yeah. Okay, so I worked in this little fast food kiosk, but it was attached to a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant, mm-hmm. where he wanted his servers to be hot. So what happened at the beginning of the summer season is that he got a slew of resumes, and all the hot girls got put in little shorts and were serving in the sit-down restaurant, mm-hmm. and everybody else got put in this out side little kiosk of like fast food and I just was happy to get a job so I was there but it took me a little while before I realized I was like oh all the quote-unquote hot girls are inside and all of the rest of us are out here oh my goodness and he calls us all Hannah and you were all Asian we were all Asian except for one brown girl she and I just reconnected on Twitter <laughs> randomly. <laughs> so wait a second. What were the girls like on the inside of the restaurant? White. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, there wasn't a single non-white server. <laughs> but this was like 1996, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah um, I understand. Is it any different today? I don't know. I don't but know. I, I, okay, so, you know, I'm not saying like all I'm saying with that particular example is that Obviously, that's an egregious, you know, error on his part to call another Asian girl Hannah. Like, that is bad because he knows better. But 
but just somebody that you've met once and then they call you the wrong name they call you the name of the other asian woman or the other black man like i just think we need to be more forgiving of that it's yeah. like it, we don't need to be angry about like small potatoes you know? interesting i don't know how i feel about about that i don't know if i agree but when you get mistaken so do you ever get mistaken for another black woman um a couple of times someone called me garvia oh really yeah you guys are like a foot different in height. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Interesting. Yeah. That that is really that yeah. is really crazy because literally you guys are like a foot different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So <laughs> were you angry? Um I was just I was annoyed, to be perfectly yeah, honest. I wasn't angry. I was annoyed. I was mm-hmm. like, God damn. Like, come on. Yeah. We don't look alike. No. We don't. Yeah. But I, it has happened to me. Yeah, of course. Right? It's happened so, to all of us. So here's what happened. That person saw dark-skinned black woman with locks, mm-hmm. and they put her in a box, and they saw me, and they saw that I belonged to that box, so they called the name that belongs to that box. Mm-hmm. I get it. Humans mm-hmm. categorize. Yeah, of course we do. Right? Humans categorize. So I, I don't know. I, so in those moments, I'm often annoyed. Um, I think that if it happened more than once with that same person, that's when I would get upset. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Media Girlfriends with me, Nanaba Duncan, and my girlfriend, Hannah Sung. Hannah Sung co-created the podcast Color Code at the Globe and Mail, and her co-creator is Denise Balkasun, who is an award-winning writer and editor for the Globe's Life section. As you can imagine, talking about race all the time can get emotional. And I know Hannah's had some moments where she's had to listen and learn about other people's perspectives, which I respect. And there have been times where other people have had to learn about her perspective. She had this one story from her VJ days, so I asked her about it. Oh, my God. It's such a long story, Nanava. Can you give me Cole's notes? Okay. Oh, my God. Cole's notes version. There was a project that I was pre-producing for a very long time. I was a little bit, I felt a little bit strong-armed into um, making it more personal than I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, you know, all of a sudden, like, I woke up and it was to involve my family, like my my parents. Mm-hmm. And they were going along with it for a while because they love me and they want to support my work. And then... My mom just kind of pulled the plug on it and said, I'm sorry, but I can't go through with this thing Mm. that you want to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be interviewed. Mm -hmm. So instantly, I packed it up. I was like, all right, you don't want to do it. We're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I wasn't mad, right, that I'd spent all this time. But I was a little bit like, couldn't you have told me sooner? Yeah, of course. So that's what was going on in my own life. And then I had to tell this producer, "Uh, we can't move forward with this. And she was really shocked to hear that. And I was really emotional. Mm-hmm. So we were having this conversation. She's trying to understand, basically, why can't we do this thing that we've been, you know, greenlit and we've gotten a budget. We've been working on it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, like why, why are you stopping Why can't you get your this? mom to say yes? Yeah. And I said, you wouldn't understand because you're white. You said that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always felt really bad about that because it's like I slapped her through the phone. What did she say? Silence? I don't think she said anything. And that was such a rude thing for me to say. You think so? It just just came out. I was really emotional. And um, I always felt bad about it. But, you know, 
I wasn't, wasn't saying something that was untrue. Well, that's I what really I was just going to say. It's she actually that is the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know the the story right now with Maryam Monsef not being technically like born in Afghanistan, like she was not born in Afghanistan, and her mother hid that fact from her, and she was actually uh, who, who is she again? Okay, so Maryam Monsef. I hope I'm saying her name right, Monsef. Um, Maryam Monsef is an MP from Peterborough, and she. Um, uh, her story, her personal story is that she is, um, she was born in Afghanistan. So she was like Canada's first, um, Afghani born, uh, MP. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> when Barack Obama addressed parliament, like he brought it up, you know, like this is a big part of who she is in terms of like who she is to the Canadian public. And, and then it just came out in a Globe story that, in fact, she was born in Iran and she was raised in Iran until she was about 10 or 11. And um, and so, in fact, this story about herself is like based on a basically lie. Basically false. Yeah. Um, she is like from Afghanistan uh, eth- ethnically, but her mother hid this fact from her and her family and the children, basically, like her father was killed uh, when they were younger. And so it was her mother who was the keeper of the secret. And I really identify with this story so much. Mary Monsaif is a real person. And this is like a real drama and maybe trauma in her own life that's like unfolding yeah. at this time. And this is like an inter-family thing, right? But because, you know, of the nature of her job, it's also like this Canadian public thing, you know? <laughs> and I just feel for her because it's like... Yeah, sometimes when you're in a family where histories are complicated and 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 race is kind of a part of it because it's like where you're from and it's your background and your culture and your heritage like you know these things happen and I think that somebody who is somebody who has a less complicated background maybe can't understand that. Just like how you, your producer friend wouldn't understand some of us just wouldn't understand her situation. Um yeah, I guess all I'm saying is that I really understand what it's like for f- within a family to withhold information because it's painful. Right. And then it affects your understanding of who you are, you know? And um, so just because you're white doesn't mean that your background isn't complicated or just because you're white doesn't mean you're not from a place that has experienced war or conflict or, you know, whatever your own story is. But um, in that moment, though, when you were having this conversation – that was how you identified it, though. It was that you don't understand this yeah. because you are not of a racialized. Is is that what you were thinking, really? Is that she's not from a culture that has. She's from the dominant culture. Right. I, I don't know her very well. But so basically I was using shorthand and that's probably what was reducing happening. her as well, which yeah. is not cool. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, you know, she is a Canadian whose parents are Canadian. They share the same culture. They share the privilege of not having to talk about anything or have, you know, those like race kind of issues or have like a massive cultural chasm between them or have a language issue between them. And, um, you know, she probably has a cottage. And she probably, <laughs> <laughs> she, okay. <laughs> and she probably, everything about Canada is probably like she identifies with it, you know? 
like I, I don't know all those things about her for sure and so no but yeah, that, there's there's cool, there's but... you making the story too like what is made of us but i i get yeah. you i get you i totally get you i just felt like she was not understanding me because i was trying to explain to her and i also just felt like if i just say you know my mom is not going to do this now cuz she doesn't feel comfortable and i protect i am like shutting that door cuz i feel protective of my parents like to push back at that means that you don't understand. Right. So if you so. if you do you think that you would say, well, in Korean culture, like if your mom doesn't want to do something, <laughs> you're just like you're you not going to your you're gonna listen to your mom. Um, um, so like or do you think that you would still say you're not white? Because, oh, you're not God, white? I would really hope that I wouldn't say something like that because it was just hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, e- even if it was kind of what I was thinking. Um I don't know, because at the time I was emotional. I still get emotional about stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I run hot, and I get that, and I hate, kind of hate that about myself. <laughs> I love um, it about you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I I hope that if I were, like, just in a calmer place, um, I think that I've just matured as a person. Yeah. So maybe I wouldn't have made that phone call at the time when I was feeling that way, right? Um, and and then maybe we would we could have had, like, a calmer conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming to talk to me. Oh, my God. Thanks for asking me. This is so good. And I can't wait to hear more on Color Code. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, there's still lots to come. So where can people find you? So TGAM, T-G-A-M, that stands for the Globe Mail, dot C-A slash Color Code. Color Code with a U because we're Canadian. Um, (laughs) Or just anywhere you would get a podcast, just search Color Code and you can find us. And as well, I'm on Twitter at Hannah Sung. Lovely. And uh, maybe I'll have you again uh, in a year to see where the podcast has progressed. Oh, sure. But, you know, so it's a series. So, like, get on it while you can. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it'd be so fun to come back in a year um, just to see where we are in life. Yeah. We'll do that. Great. Bye. Thanks, (laughs) Nava. That was my media girlfriend, Hannah Sung, who's a video producer at the Global Mail, as well as the host and co-creator of the podcast, Color Code. That was our conversation about race and identity and her podcast. What I love about Hannah is that even though this conversation about race has been difficult, she just pushes through the tough stuff. And I know you're probably listening to this, Hannah. That's what I love about you. You you keep trying. You're still learning. And you're very honest about having, you know, made mistakes. But I think that's what's going to open up this conversation with everyone is for all of us to be open to making the mistakes and then learning from them and then continuing to push through. And I think that I could do a little bit more of that. As a black woman, as a um, an African woman, I don't think that I always say the things that hurt or are important to me and because I'm afraid sometimes. And, I, and because of you, Hannah, and because of you and people like Denise, I am trying a little bit more. Media Girlfriends is produced by me, Nanaba Duncan, and I got some script and listening help from my media man friends, Res Digital and Pete Mori. If you're listening on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes now, so look for Media Girlfriends there and give us a quick review if you can. Plus, you can find us on Twitter at MediaGFS and with the hashtag MediaGirlfriends. Girlfriends.